Welcome back. This is The Blackout. We're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and it's time to bring you another Pick'em Pod here on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. Alan Denton, welcome back to the show. It's been too long. How in the world are you doing today? Man, I'm doing a, I'm doing a bit better, and uh, I appreciated you, uh, uh, everybody's understanding and your thoughts and prayers last week, and um, scary times and, but I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better still on the mend a little bit, but working back towards, uh, prayerfully, uh, working back towards health. And, uh, so JT Daniels and I are kind of on the same path. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's, it's, uh, it's been a stressful week. I know that there's been a lot going on. Uh, but as far as I can tell from the communication we've had, it seems like you've made a good amount of progress. Uh, but if you would, I don't know, you can go as far as you want, but just tell the people a little bit about what this last week has been like. Uh, you don't have to go into too much detail, but uh, glad, very much glad that you're on the mend right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was kind of down and out. Evidently, um, dehydration is a really, really big deal. Woo. And so evidently, I was super dehydrated, ended up passing out, having a seizure. And um, But thankfully, I'm okay. Um, after one other kind of episode, evidently you can't, you absolutely can drink too much water and fluid <laughs> yes. um, and then flush your system to get rid of all the stuff that the hospital had given you. And then you can have the same situation kind of again, a little bit less severe. So that happened, but I'm resting and trying to recoup. I was grateful for a full Saturday of incredible football and, um, so I'm, I'm grateful to, to, to the Lord that I'm, I'm okay and seem to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, man. Well, if you've got to be off your feet for a while, at least you had some really exciting stuff go down on your couch, sitting on the TV, able to see all that stuff go down. I was, I was a little bit stressed for you wondering what was going on this past weekend, but I'm glad to know that you were just resting up and absolutely enjoying a lot of football. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, all of my teams are, are, doing okay right now so that's kind of that's kind of fun absolutely alan let's go ahead and jump into it if you're set let's jump into some power five ponderings this weekend was just wild let's go ahead and start it in the sec because i think that's about as wild as we got we saw a couple of teams <laughs> struggle in georgia and texas a&m the really wild one that went down was mississippi state with mike leach going on the road beating lsu the defending national championship uh, team by 10. Alan, what were your thoughts and what went down in the SEC? Wow. Okay. So Alabama, I think they are who we thought they were going to be. I think at this point, there are two teams that stand way above everybody else. And that's Alabama and Clemson. You and I, before the season started, said that we think that's, that was probably going to be the case. Um, I, I think that Georgia has some fatal flaws at this point. Um, Florida looked dominant and LSU really looked like they had only three starters back and playing from <laughs> last year's team. Goodness gracious. And maybe this team can't understand what Ed 
Owis saying at this point because they've not been around him enough, mm. so they can't interpret the you know that that Cajun dialect. But uh, whoo, my goodness, the the pirate uh, evidently can set sail all the way up into the Bayou. Yeah, man, you know Mike Leach coming on down and winning on the road. KJ Costello putting up 623 passing yards, an all-time SEC conference record for an uh, in-conference game. Uh, just remarkable things all across the field. Like you said, Alabama looked really solid in it. Just went against Missouri, and then you had the Florida shootout with Ole Miss. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff going on, but uh, really a lot of fascinating stuff and a, a lot of interesting stuff to watch as we move deeper into the season because, hey, it's the first game of the year for a bunch of these teams. And like we've seen all across the country, most teams have really struggled in at least one phase of the game coming back. And and so we saw a lot of that in the SEC. Like you said, Alabama kind of looked prim and proper, kind of, you know, how you'd expect them to. Uh, But it was a really, really fascinating weekend, week one. Yeah, it was. I, I think that uh, LSU misses Dave Aranda more than they ever thought they could, and even more so than Joe Brady. And Bo Pelini was, I seemed stubborn and played kind of the same kind of base defense over and over. And KJ Costello and Mike Leach and uh, Osiris Jones just just continually ate them alive. Um, that was an incredibly uh, fun game to watch. Um, but, but then you, I mean, you've got kind of throughout the rest of the day and throughout the rest of the country, you could have, we could have easily have seen four top 10 teams go down and we did see two, but it would not have, you know, at, at midway through the third quarter, that Georgia game was not settled. That ended up being a 37, um, you know, a 37, I believe 10 game. Yeah. Um, and so it ended up being not in question at all, but midway through the third, that was still a, a, a game that we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then Texas just got lucky. I mean, Texas tech totally just pissed down their leg. (laughs) Let's go ahead and jump into the big 12. You mentioned it already. Oklahoma falling to Kansas state that on their home field, Texas coming back from 15 down in the last few minutes of that game, getting an onside kick, winning in overtime at Texas Tech. Uh, really, those were the two standout games in the Big 12. What's your main takeaway from those? That I, I don't know that we're going to see anybody from the Big 12 represented in the and the and uh, the the playoff. <laughs> to be quite frank, I don't know that anybody's getting through it. Um, because Texas's defense did not look up to par, and there are going to be other offenses that are just as good as Texas Tech's. Um, and Kansas State was uh, much better than who we thought they were, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kevin Klein is a good coach. I sat here in front of God and everybody three weeks ago, and then I looked like an idiot in week one. But now I look brilliant because I think Kansas State, I, you know, I think they're going to end up being pretty good. Yeah, Chris Kleiman really had things going with Kansas State. And I'm telling you, man, it was a couple weeks ago. We saw the upsets. We saw Kansas State fall to Arkansas State. We saw Iowa State fall to Louisiana. We saw all the upsets and we're going, OK, we've got a bunch of mediocre to bad teams in the Big 12. And then you had Oklahoma and Texas blowing teams out. And we're going, OK. Maybe maybe those two are the kind of standout 
uh, teams in the crowd. Uh, but I'm with you. It's just after this weekend, I don't know if there is a single team that's anywhere better than mediocre inside the Big 12. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that I think that Oklahoma and Texas are certainly still going to win a lot of games, uh, but they might have a fair handful of shootouts throughout the year. And that's, I think, just what we're going to see throughout the Big 12. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Spencer Rattler looked still looked good. I mean, they put up 35 points, but and when you when you score 35 and don't win, I mean, you got Alex Grinch has got to look in the mirror, right? I mean, that's a that's a that's a tough loss being being up 21 and then end up losing that that football game. Yeah, I was going to say they were up 35-14, right? Yeah, they were. Up 35-14, but at the same time while Rattler looked good, especially early in the game, he did look kind of human in this one as well. He had three interceptions. Kansas State baited him into some stuff. And so at the same time, while Spencer Rattler looked like the Heisman Trophy winner in their first game, all of a sudden, you know, he looks a little bit more human in this one and Oklahoma falls like they have each of the past few seasons to somebody in the Big 12, Kansas State for back-to-back years. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just means that every game is precious from here on out for them, that there's there's no more wiggle room. And they've got another difficult test this Saturday going to Iowa State. Who, yeah. Um, put their best foot forward, I thought, this past weekend by going to TCU and winning that game. Yeah, that was a big one as well. Iowa State went on the road. They got the 37-34 win. Uh, We had talked about, uh, at least I did on the podcast last week since you weren't with us, I talked about how Matthew Downing was going to get the start for TCU. And that really, that's what made me go with uh, my pick for Iowa State. Uh, But then it was Max Duggan coming back. He had been cleared last week. He came in in the second half, and TCU made a run at him, but Iowa State certainly was able to hold him off, and a big win for them coming off of that season-opening loss they had. Absolutely. They responded really well. Both of the teams that were upset in crazy ways in week one um, responded really well this past week in winning tough games. And and I think we're going to see some more of that this year. I, I I don't think we're done with the crazy upsets. Oh, no way. I think there's going to be a few more of those in the bag this year. Yeah, it's just there's so much at at play this year. Because of COVID-19, anytime, even – I think the thing is, Alan, to me, is we've seen cases where a certain team comes away with two or three positive cases, but it's the contract tracing that really kills you. Because you send these guys, and if it's two or three positive cases, you might have 15 additional players who are contact traced out of the team, and you know they have to sit in their dorm for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden you're down near 20 guys just because of a a few guys testing positive. So we're going to see that all season long. Uh, it's going to disrupt practice. It's going to disrupt flow. It's going to disrupt, you know, the chemistry that these players have together, uh, not to mention the coaching staff's disruptions that you have and, and the guys that are able to, uh, you know, input plays and everything with their team. All that stuff is going to be disrupted. And all season long, we're going to see the ramifications for it. We've seen some wild play on special teams. We've seen teams that come in one week and just look completely uh you know, unprepared, and then all of a sudden they bounce back and they get a win. It's just going to be a wild, wild season. Yeah, it is. And you even got a team like Virginia Tech jumping into the ACC that were down several starters and still managed to just land blast NC State and Dave Doran, who, you know, is coming into this year on a on shaky footing 
in his job. But yet, I mean, this is the kind of thing, if you lose to a team that's down, like a few starters, how much, how much worse that loss looks, right? Like, I mean, you start playing with that and you end up losing to a team with several starters down. That's a really, really bad look. Yeah, that one was huge. Uh, you know, when we look at the ACC, specifically Virginia Tech, that was a hard one to figure out because there were kind of hints at what was going on with Virginia Tech early in the week. Justin Fuente had said in his press conference, hey, I'm just hoping that we have enough guys to be able to field a team come Saturday. And so going into that one, I'm going, I don't know, NC State kind of did better than we thought they would against Wake Forest. They had a shootout. They've got some sort of an offense going we know that Virginia Tech is going to be down some people. It turned out they were down 23 players for that game, including yeah. their starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Their backup went down with injury partway through the game, so they were on their third-string quarterback, and they cruised to victory. So very, very impressive from the Hokies. On top of that, you had Miami just blowing out Florida State. Pittsburgh coming away with a close win against Louisville, and for my money, that's about all that's worth mentioning in the ACC. But, Alan, it was – just a wild weekend top to bottom across college football. Yeah, it was. It was great to have almost everybody back in action, you know, and, and moving forward, it's been encouraging to see several um, Big Ten players opt back in, right? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I think that's one of the big takeaways and storylines. I think having some of the success that we've seen, I think it gives people like Rashad Bateman more confidence to return. It gives those people, I know Micah Parsons is not choosing to opt back in because of his son, uh, but uh, but there are a lot of them that, that are choosing to opt back in, which will make for a really entertaining Big Ten season as we jump into the month of October. I'm with you. It's It's been really encouraging for me just to see that. I'd, we had talked about it. I wanted to see some of it. I figured we would see some guys opt back in, but honestly, I think maybe even more than I anticipated guys are opting back in. I think it's been really cool to see it. You mentioned Rashad Bateman, wide receiver at Minnesota. We've had Rondell Moore, wide receiver at Purdue. We've had both the stars at Ohio State who opted out, Sean Wade, the cornerback, and Wyatt Davis, the center. So a lot of guys opting back in. It's going to mean a world of difference once the Big Ten opens back up. And, uh, and it just means a whole lot for college football fans because we get to see some of the game's biggest stars on the field. Even if it's a shortened season, we still get to see them play one more time before they head off to the NFL. And it seems like at this point that the college football experiment for 2020 is going to work in some form or fashion. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some cancellations like Notre Dame and Wake Forest. But... It looks as if that on the whole, this is going to be manageable. And and that can give uh, student athletes confidence that they can opt back in and play in a, in a safe manner uh, in a way that maybe didn't seem uh, realistic even a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I believe that what we've seen so far through the first two weeks, I know there have been a lot of postponements, a lot of cancellations. A number of these games aren't going to be made up, but I really believe that for everything that was on the table and all the different possibilities, I think we're going to come cl as close to a full season as we possibly could have hoped for. Of course, there are going to be some teams that lose some games, uh, but I think that you're going to have a handful of teams at the very least, maybe even, I don't know, a quarter or half the country who end up playing their full slate. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think we're going to come very, very close to what feels like a full season. I agree. It'll, it, will be, it will be comparable enough that, that I don't think there's going to be any – 
need for some type of asterisk as we move kind of into who wins the national championship this year. But in the same, this is the same conversation people are having in major league baseball that with the amount of difficulty and emotional weight that surrounds this year, if you're able to proceed and win enough games and move through the playoff and win, then that's, then that's a legitimate win in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Alan, one more question for you before we head off to break. I saw today the news that the college football playoff is going to remain at four teams. I think they had kind of indicated this, but they had a proposal from the Pac-12 to expand it just for this one year because everything's so wonky. Uh, What is your reaction to that? Were you hoping for more games or are you happy with the four? Well, if anyone else would have tried to have maybe move that proposal forward i think it would have carried more weight (laughs) (laughs) right like that's like uh that's like having uh kevin malone try to push something in the office yeah nobody respects him and he he just dumps chili all over himself like a slob (laughs) so that that is the pac-12 right so if you had one of the big three either you know I, i think even maybe the big 12 had to propose something like that. And they, they may come back and want to propose it after this past weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I think in, at this point, I would have loved to have seen them expand it to six. I think this year that would have made a lot of sense. And it, I think it would have made the committee's life a little bit easier since you're not going to be, you, you won't have to do as much comparison. You just take the winner of the power five and then you can have a, at large or a a group of five team in there. Um, but honestly, at this point, you might as well just keep it at four so you know you can have it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with the four. I'm, I wasn't itching really bad to see eight or six. Uh, and for that matter, like we talked about, you're got, you're going to have your Alabama, you're going to have your Clemson, apart from massive COVID issues throughout the year and, and something crazy happening. Uh, you're going to have those two teams and then maybe Ohio State's kind of there with them once they finally pick up and play. We'll see what they look like on the field, but I anticipate they're going to be pretty good. And outside of that, if you're expanding out beyond the four, you're just putting in a lot of teams that I don't think really stand up competition-wise to these top teams around the country. Yeah, it wouldn't make for the most competitive semifinal games if you did that. All right, Alan, it has been an exciting, exciting start to the season. Uh, you know, we're going to keep on saying start for a while because all these teams are starting at different points, uh, but it's been a fun start. I'm glad we're where we're at right now and have a bunch of games under our belt, uh, but let's go to break. And when we come back, we'll jump into the pick and pod portion. We'll give you our game of the week. We'll give you our value picks and we'll give you some suggestions for exactly what you can do to enhance your points this week on the best college football pick and pod in the land. All right, we are back. He is AD, I am TB, and we are moving through another week of action. Alan, this is week four of the contest, technically moving into week five of the college football season, but we've had some exciting stuff going on. You had a pretty solid week yourself going 10 and one in picks. 
I went eight and three. You picked up 57 points and jumped up to 12th in the contest. I picked up 53 and moved up to a tie for 13th. So we're right there neck and neck with each other. Just one point separates us from each other. And uh, we are moving our way closer and closer to that top 10. That's exactly right. Evidently, you just need a, a, a life-threatening illness to give you the clarity you need to pick the right games. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you had a pretty killer week. Uh, there were only a handful of people that went 10-1, and one, so very, very impressive on your part. And, uh, you know, it's putting you and myself in contention with a lot of people for some cool prizes. Of course, we've got the $50 gift card from Visa.com. We've got the t-shirt from BellyUpSports.com. And we've got the $100 gift card to ChampionshipFootballs.com. And if you haven't checked it out, Alan, I know you have. They've got some cool memorabilia that you just can't get anywhere else. If you've had a favorite team that's won a national championship, heck, if you've had a favorite NFL team that's won a Super Bowl, in recent years, they've got a lot of that stuff for you. These footballs with all the schedules on them, all the games that went down, all the scores and, and the year and, you know, all that stuff. It's got everything for you. They've got the cases to protect them. And these things are set up to where, hey, if you're local around your team, if you ever get one of those sessions going out to a practice or something like that, you could probably get these things autographed as well. So some really cool prizes here on the best college football pick and pod in the land. Exactly. I don't know why you wouldn't want to participate. It's a blast. And we're going to have some details as we get deeper into this episode on some more ways that you can win prizes that are new as of this week. So, Alan, let's go ahead and jump into some detail. Let's look at our game of the week, Auburn at Georgia. And I'll, uh, I'll let you kick it off because you got me this past week. So what are your thoughts on this matchup? Absolutely. Well, I- I don't know how much we know about Georgia still. It it seems as if they're a team that we're going to find significant more, especially offensively this week. Stetson Bennett came in and replaced um, Mathis, who was just, quite frankly, he was awful. And I feel sorry for saying that. When someone plays that badly, I feel bad saying it. It was rough. It's the truth. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But here was here, and, and more importantly, in my opinion, this was more alarming even than their quarterback play. Georgia only had 121 rushing yards. Yeah, only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. They were replacing a lot on the offensive line. Even a guy that would have been a starter like Cade Mays was now declared eligible for Tennessee. Whereas Auburn knows who their quarterback is, and uh, is coming off a, a fresh victory over who I believe is a pretty decent Kentucky team. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll finish probably fourth in the sec East this year. Um, Seth Williams is going to be a tough cover um, for Isaiah Stokes. Um, Eli stove can, can really, can really burn man. And then um, it's just going to be fascinating to, to kind of see some of these matchups, especially, not knowing kind of what the home field advantage difference is going to be. Because normally this game is is pretty wild because of the history. And we know a lot about the teams when the game's played. And because they normally play it in the first weekend of November or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, I, this one is going to be a tight one. And, I, and it's, yeah, I think Georgia is going to win the game. I think they're going to figure it out enough. But I can see 
um, Bo Nix finding a way, just doing enough with Seth, Seth Williams and company to make enough plays to win a game like 24-21. But I think it's going to be pretty low scoring because I think Georgia's defense is really good. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you have to anticipate this is going to be a really low-scoring game. You rewind back to last year when they matched up 2019. Georgia won 21-14. Really, really low-scoring game. Like you said, Georgia brings back pretty much everybody defensively. Auburn's usually pretty typically good defensively. They are again this year. And that mixed with, like you said, the concerns for Georgia offensively, I don't see any way that this game gets you know high scoring. I think probably your first team to 20 points wins this game. And, and that probably does things. So, I, I mean, I think you have a pretty good feel for it. And, you know, the breakdown you had offensively for Georgia and the struggles they had, what they bring in defensively, I think it just dictates that this is going to be a really low scoring game. So I'm fascinated from it from that standpoint. And uh, I'm going to side with you. I'm going with Georgia in this one. It, It feels like it could probably go either way. But I think the difference for me comes in where we talk about the win that Georgia had while they struggled against a bad Arkansas team for a lot of that game. Stetson Bennett came in and they actually got a lot better with a dude named Stetson Bennett the fourth. I mean, get that, really? I mean, the dude's tiny, uh, but he had some success. He got them moving the football. They scored some points. And now JT Daniels has been cleared medically. I assume that means he's going to start. As far as I know, there hasn't been any announcement, at least not externally. Uh, but my anticipation is that we're going to see JT Daniels. And I'm just thinking, hey, if Stetson Bennett had some success, then I think that's an upgrade if you get JT Daniels. And I think that opens up a little bit more of the offense, gets a guy like George Pickens going at wide receiver, who had a pretty mm-hmm. quiet game in this in their first week. I think those things are really, really big for a low-scoring, tight defensive matchup. Absolutely. George Pickens is the best Georgia receiver since A.J. Green. I mean, the dude is is legit. I mean, he's a force on the outside, whether it's Stetson Bennett, who sounds like, you know, that he has a, a wine cellar the size. Of, I mean, just think, think about it. It sounds like he's got like a wine and cigar, cigar collection or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so I, he provided the spark that they needed, but J.T. Daniels is going to provide probably a downfield element that they haven't had um, up to this point. If we get to see him against Auburn, uh, I think that that they will figure some things out with James Cook um, in, in the backfield. It, it was very obvious they missed some of their skill talent from last year, though. But I, I think they will do just enough. And here's a, here's a, a, a little nugget that I found. Bo Nix hasn't thrown an interception in 218 consecutive passes. Yeah. That ends this week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, if I think that ends this week, and it, I think that'll end up being the difference is Georgia will force a couple of turnovers. That'll give them a short field or something like that, that they end up winning at 2017, 17, 13, 24, 21 type of game. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Bo Nix, sure, he is a nice streak going, but he's not the most accurate quarterback out there. Uh, Kentucky held Auburn's offense back somewhat. I mean, they kind of had the passing game going somewhere in there a little bit, uh, but it wasn't overly impressive. And then what you're facing in Georgia's defense, I think is just an even bigger upgrade on on a team defensively. So I think there's going to be some struggles there. I don't see Auburn getting much going in the ground game, which puts that much more pressure on Bo Nix. 
And when you're going up against a defense like the Georgia Bulldogs bring into this one, I just think that, hey, it's going to be difficult for Bo Nix to be the difference in this game when he's going against such an elite uh, defense. And, and like we talked about, if JT Daniels is on the field, I anticipate he will be, I think that obviously enhances the passing game, gives more of a downfield threat, and then, hey, that should open up some of the running game as well. It may not be dominant. It may not be like the Georgia offenses we've seen in the past, but it should be improved, I think, off that Arkansas win as long as JT Daniels is the quarterback. Yes, I totally agree. And let's be honest, that Auburn 29-13 to win over Kentucky is a little bit um, – it, 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 misrepresenting how that game really was yeah that win for Auburn has as much to do with the officials missing an egregious call and Terry Wilson having two turnovers yeah as it as it does Auburn right like they he Terry Wilson had both a fumble and an interception in his first in his first game back both were very costly they had three turnovers overall um, Kentucky outgained Auburn, yeah, which not a good sign. I, I just think George is going to be a little bit too much, even though we don't know a ton about him this, at this point. I agree with everything you've said. I mean, you look at that Kentucky game, uh, not only did Kentucky outgain them, but they outgained them on the ground and through the air. So Terry Wilson, even though he had blunders, he had mistakes, he still threw for more yards than Bo Nix. And it, he didn't blow him out. You know, it was only by a handful of yards. But the fact that Kentucky outgained them through the air and on the ground, of course, total over uh, yards overall, uh, I thought that was pretty impressive. And it's why I picked Kentucky last week uh, in the game. I thought they had a chance to outpro- outperform Auburn. It's just the blunders they had and the officiating there at the end of the first half really killed them. Because Chris Rodriguez got into the end zone and they didn't call it a touchdown. And then that <laughs> left and then that left the opportunity for Terry Wilson to throw the pick. Uh, in the third quarter, I think it was the third quarter, Terry Wilson, uh, after they scored a touchdown, they went for two to try and tie the game at 15, and he threw it out the back of the end zone because he had pressure in his face. Like, what in yep. the world are you doing? Throw it up in the air and give somebody a chance. And yep. then and then his fumble, he wasn't even hit. He just dropped the ball. So uh, some re- things went really bad for Kentucky in that game, even though they outperformed Auburn in a lot of ways. So I'm with you, man. I think it's tougher on Auburn in this one. And hey, it's the first time that you and I are on the exact same page for our game of the week for the Pick'em Pod uh, so far this year. So I hope that is a good indication for what's to come this weekend for both of us. That's exactly right. Everybody just need to lock that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Close game, low scoring, but at least we're both on the same side. Hopefully that indicates some value. And now, Alan, let's go ahead and jump into the value pick portion of the podcast. Tell us what kind of value do you see on the board this week? All right. So my value pick of the week is this. I I want it. I'm going to slide Kentucky up. So the spread versus Ole Miss is only their home. And we talked about some of these same kind of errors and mistakes that they had against Auburn, which I think is far superior to Ole Miss. They're only a six-point favorite at home. And I know the the lane train, LFG, is getting that going. (laughs) Matt Brown slinging that tater all around the yard. But I I think that that Kentucky is a a 
much is a much bigger favorite, more like a 10, 11 point favorite, which would put them in that seven, eight range. And that's where I'm going to have them. So if you just go base totally off of point spread, they'd be a four. I'm moving that game up to a seven or eight this week. And I'm going to say that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stoops is, is going to uh, have a pretty easy victory this week. That is going to be a really fun game to watch. You know, you look at what Ole Miss did against Florida. They've got absolutely no defense. Kentucky should be able to control the line of scrimmage in that game. And on top of that, the concern would be, okay, does Ole Miss, because of their weapons offensively, do they get into a shootout? You know, they, they got into kind of a shootout with Florida, even though Florida kind of held them at arm's length. Uh, but Jerry and Ely, some of those guys that they have offensively, they've got some really good t- uh, skill talent, and they've got some good things going at quarterback with Matt Corral. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens in that one. But Kentucky should, I think, give some problems defensively. But offensively, I think they should pretty much have their way with the Ole Miss defense. Oh, my gosh. Ole Miss's defense is just – it's it's awful. It's awful. It's like they drink a bunch of – like. Um, X-Lax or something, man. Just just <laughs> run right through you. It's bad. All right, Alan. I'm going to go this week for my value pick. I am looking at TCU at Texas. So Ooh. Let's, uh, let's look back at what happened last year when these two teams matched up. 2019, TCU, of course, at home last year, won 37-27. to Sam Ellinger was forced into four interceptions. When you look at the board, Texas is an 11 and a half point favorite. That would say that, hey, put them out of out of value of an eight. Uh, but when I'm looking at this thing, I'm going, man, I don't know. We just watched Texas have to come from 15 down against Texas Tech. <laughs> that doesn't have much of a defense. And I know TCU, their defense hasn't been elite the last couple of seasons, but Gary Patterson is a tremendous defensive mind. He's got a couple of ball hawks and Trevon Morig and Ardarius Washington. They both picked off passes against Ellinger last year. Man, I'm telling you, this thing, 11 and a half, Vegas is saying it's a two-score game. I'm telling you, I think this is a one-score game. I'm not telling you that TCU's automatically going to win this thing, but I think this thing could flip either way. And if you're telling me that TCU's defensive game plan is going to force Ellinger into a couple of mistakes again, I think this thing could flip. You look at last week, Max Duggan only came in in the second half. The offense really picked up for TCU at that point. They were really competitive with Iowa State, a pretty good defensive team. And I think that Max Duggan being in, surely he's going to get the start this week. I think it's a big-time difference maker for TCU. He looked really, really good in the opener. So I'm saying that this game, to me, I don't think it's a two-score game. If things come out with a game plan from Gary Patterson and his defense, his defense, then I think you're looking at this game be, probably being a one-score game. And if there's a couple turnovers in there, I think it could flip to TCU. So I am sliding Texas down my board. As of this very moment, I have them at a one. But I think they're probably going to be somewhere in like one to four range. I don't know where I'm going to settle on that one. But I say slide Texas down your board because I think I'm more confident in a lot of games lower in the point spread this week. I really like that. Especially the teams that can't consistently play defense are really, really scary to put up high on your board. And so I, I really, I really like that pick. 
Um, and, and as far as moving that down, that seems like a really smart value pick there. So, I mean, I, I think that makes a ton of sense, man. Yeah, I mean, there could be a lot of people who drop Texas anyway because of their performance against Texas Tech if they were watching things closely this weekend. Uh, but then there's a lot of other people you're looking at on the board. You know, people who don't watch these games in and out are going to see, hey, little number beside Texas's name ranked in the top yeah. 10 in the country. They're going to see OTCU lost and they're going to say, well, I'm putting Texas way at the top. But I'm just saying, look, hey, maybe they do find a way to win by a couple of scores. But all I'm saying is I feel a little sick to my stomach thinking about putting Texas way up on my board because I I don't see many ways that this thing is not going to be a one-score game unless, hey, you flip the the turnovers the other way and it's Max Duggan and, and the TCU offense giving Texas extra chances. Absolutely. And I think uh, I'm – tend to think that Iowa State probably has a better defense than Texas at this point. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they put up 34 points against that defense. And so I could easily see this being another shootout where you get the right bounces and, and that game flips the other way. That's one of the reasons that I'm sliding a team like North Carolina down my board. Ah. Though, I, though I plan on, on picking them. I'm sliding them down my board because they haven't played in a month, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and and since that point, BC's 2-0. and They squeaked by Texas State. You know, they found a way to win, which BC hasn't always done. They they beat Duke in a, just a, just trounced them 26-6 to a few weeks back. And, and so I'm sliding that game down my board in the same way that you're kind of sliding that Texas game down. It is going to be interesting to see where you can find value because, hey, especially with CBS Sports, how we run this contest now, we've told you we're going to have anywhere up to 15 games a week. Right now, there's 12 on the board. Of course, there could be cancellations. When you go and do your picks, there may only be 10 or 11, uh, but hopefully we're going to have 12 on the board when you get your picks in, no matter when it is this week. Uh, But yeah, when you're talking about 12 games and you've got only a handful of them or double-digit favorites and you've got a bunch of single-digit favorites, you've got to look and really critique these teams on where you think you can find some value because it's going to make a heck of a lot of difference as you try and climb your way up the standings and work your way toward the grand prize at the end of the year that's exactly right because in some of those types of games it's not that i mean you can certainly pick the other team and go for the outright upset but sometimes the value is not necessarily picking the upset but if the upset does happen if you've got that three or four spots lower you gain those potential points that you can start climbing up that board slowly but surely. Yeah, that's a really great point because you look at it this week, you know, you can track along on your on your, on your board when you're looking at it. CBS Sports tells you, you know, what percentage you have of everybody around the world picking one team or the other. You know, and at this point, you've got 97% of the people on Texas. Okay, that's not a huge surprise again because hey, they're ranked TCU isn't. A lot of people put a lot of value in that. But what I'm telling you is, hey, even if you think TCU is going to win that game, 
it, it, this is the thing I got caught up in. I put Kentucky to beat Auburn on the road. It burned me because everybody was on Auburn in that game. And so the thing that I really probably should have done is just put Auburn really low, even if I thought Kentucky was going to win. And this is one of those cases that, hey, even if you think TCU is going to win, you might want to just say, hey, I'm just going to hedge my bet a little bit. I'm going to put Texas at a really low number, even if I think they're going to lose. That way, if they do lose, everybody gets burned and I only lose a tiny bit. That's exactly. Take that for data, as uh, the NBA coach once said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. Alan, it is going to be a blast to watch what happens this weekend. Last week, we had 11 games on the board. And if you're keeping up with how many points are available when these things happen, we had 66 points available. We had a couple of the Belly Up Sports staff go for 61 of the 66. They tied for the win. And uh, this week, with 12 games on the board, let's hope they stay there. But at this point, you would have 78 points available this week. So that is something to watch as well, because that means that, hey, again, there could be a lot of swings in this board. And hey, even if you've dropped down into the mid-20s or something, you could jump up into the top 10 really, really quick. We've never had this ever at any point have had this many points available. And so there's a lot of movement, a lot of movement left. I mean, think about this. I mean, the the average point, the high point getter two weeks ago was 30. And yet this past week, the high point getter was 61. And some of that is the number of games. Some of that is the amount of points that are available now. But um, it, it's going to be a wild year. That there's, there's nobody that's safe at this point. Oh, yeah. And last week we had people putting LSU at their number 11. Uh, because you're going to have more double-digit picks with the number of games that we're going to have out there, there are going to be some people who lose some really, really high-value picks. So it is going to really put the impetus on, can you get your top three or four or five games right? And if you do that on a consistent basis, you're going to be right there in contention for the grand prize at the end of the year. Absolutely. And we all want that, right? Absolutely. Alan, there's one more thing I've got to tell people about as we work our way through the month of October, and that is because the team at Belly Up Sports has put together another opportunity for people to win prizes this year. And what it means is each week of October, if you are able to navigate the weekend with a perfect slate, right now that would be 12 and 0 this week. Of course, that could have a cancellation or two in there by the time we actually reach the weekend. But if you are able to have a perfect slate, it means you're going to have your name thrown into a drawing for a prize pack from Manscaped. So there is a ton of stuff to look forward to. You've got weekly prizes that are available. If you can have those perfect slates, you've got the grand prize at the end of the year, and we are going to see if we can keep on adding to it as we go each and every week of the season. Hey, that sounds pretty cool. And, and you know, you can look like Tom Selleck if you Manscaped <laughs> That is what we're giving away here on the show. It is going to be the best year of the Pick'em Pod yet. Alan, I can't wait for more of it because we've got so much stuff coming at people. And if you haven't tracked with us, be sure you follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find the show at The Blackout Pod. From Twitter, you'll see us on the weekends. We tweet out all the final scores. So if you're not watching 12 hours of football a day like we do, that's okay. Jump on Twitter and we're going to send out those final scores throughout the day so you can keep up with all the action. That's exactly right. And the best way that you can help us, if you love this podcast and we love this podcast, 
that the best thing you can do is rate and review us and share this with your friends so that they can get tips and tricks on how to best succeed uh, this uh, pandemic-ridden college football year. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Alan, I don't know if you've seen any of it, but we have actually gotten a couple more of those five-star reviews come in. So we are up to 25 total five-star reviews on the show. So that makes a big difference. And uh, if people could keep on chipping in with that, that means that uh, we're going to keep on carrying along this podcast to bigger and better things down the road. That's right. It's like an Alabama recruiting class right now, baby. <laughs> 25 five stars. Woo! <laughs> Complete domination ahead. Oh, man. Oh, man. Of course, you can follow both Alan and I on Twitter. You can find Alan at AD on the blackout. You can find me at TB on the blackout. Alan, it's been a blast. I'm glad that you are finding yourself in a position where you're feeling a little bit better this week. Anything else you think we need to cover this week before we get out of here? Hey, let's just get going, man. Saturday can't get here fast enough. It's going to be a blast. 12 games on the board, 78 points at your disposal, and we are going to see a lot of swings on the board for the grand prize. And, hey, if you can find those right matchups to go with a perfect slate, we haven't seen one yet, you, of course, can pick up the weekly prizes as well or at least get a shot at it. So that's all for us this week. We'll be back again next week for another Pick'em Pod here on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. Pick'em Pod.